But good morning, everyone. Um, as we're accustomed to, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer because um, as we've admitted a lot, we need his help and even more so as we, we look to his word. Um, so let's pray together. Father, we come to you um, again, thankful that we can come to you as many times as we wish um, and to continue to ask for your help, especially when we gather together. Uh, we need you. And you're delighted to show up and to strengthen the faith of your people, to purify the faith of your people, to encourage us. And so we ask you to help us during this time as we look to your word, God, that um, we would see Christ and we'd be stirred up to love one another in our freedom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you will, make your way back to Colossians chapter 3, whether it's on your phone, on the app, or uh, if you have a hard copy. And I'm just going to remind us a little bit about you know to about what Paul is why Paul is writing Colossians. You know, Epaphras who has started the church is concerned these false teachers are talking about this mysticism, this pagan theology. Um, some some Jewish zealots are still talking about the ceremonial law. Either way, all of it is taking um, the the supremacy and the centrality of Christ Jesus and our union with him out of the Christian faith. And like we talked about, anything, any teaching that takes us away from Christ Jesus is a false teaching. And so Paul is writing to encourage them, what you know is true, you know, hold fast to the head by whom we're knit and nourished together with a growth that comes from God to cling to Christ, to cling to the head. That's his encouragement. And so you know, last week we, we looked at the beginning of chapter 3 and how in our union with Christ, our resurrection is certain because our life is hid with Him and He is beside the Father right now. We looked at how we're dead to sin in our union with Christ. And so we can consider the members of our body dead to the old way of life, to the way of the world. And that in our union with Christ, God is going to grow us in the knowledge and in the revelation of his son, Jesus, so that we would bear much fruit. And then we ended looking at how it's here in the regenerated body of Christ. It's here that it doesn't matter about color. It doesn't matter about race. It doesn't matter about what you've done or what you haven't done or where you've been or where you're going. But we're all on an equal playing field where we're all in need of a righteousness that none of us have. And we find that in Christ. And that's our peace. That's our commonality where it's in the body of Christ, where he is all. And so overall, what Paul likes to do in a lot of his letters is what he's doing now. Put off the old way. Put on the new. It's happened already in Christ Jesus. So be doing what's already been done, in other words, right? And the way I want to start us as we move to verse 12 is what we've been saved from is the kingdom of self. We've been saved from uh, this lifestyle where we're the center of our universe. It's all about whatever I want, whatever I need. Life is about reaching my dreams, reaching my goals. What I want, I get. I don't have to answer to anyone. It's the kingdom of self. At its worst, it's whatever sexual desire, whatever evil lust. I'm going to gratify the desires of my flesh, and it's going to be great. Whatever helps me, whatever makes me feel good, whatever makes me happy, I'm going to do that, and I don't care what I got to do to do it, who I got to go through, who I have to hurt. 
It's the kingdom of self. But in our union with Christ, that old self has been completely destroyed. It has been eradicated. And we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to a body of people that are rooted and built up in Christ. And we are founded upon him and we're guided by him and the peace that we have in him as we continue in this fallen world in these fallen bodies. And so look with me at verse 12 in chapter 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we have, we're going to look at this text under this heading or part one. We're just going to look at the text and then we're just going to talk about it. So there's the two parts, okay? So from the kingdom of self, to one body in Christ. Paul begins this whole section of chapter 3 on the Christian living, on the foundational theological truth that it's precisely because we have been raised with Christ that we can seek the things that are above. And here in verse 12, he doesn't uh, change that up. Put on then as what? He starts with these objective declarative realities of the gospel. Put on then as God's chosen ones. You are holy. And you are beloved of God. You know, the kind of holiness that God requires is not found by looking inward. For God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. And as a matter of fact, we're full of darkness and dead in our sins, following the course of this world. Scripture tells us that we were followers of Satan, living in the passions and the desires of our minds and bodies. And we were by nature children of wrath. But our triune God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, before eternity passed, decided to covenant together that they would have mercy on people and that they would save people. Ephesians 1.4 says that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. It is because all of your sins have been forgiven and forgotten. Because God's love for you in Christ will never change. Because Christ Jesus is able to present you holy and blameless at, the, at his coming. Because you've been chosen from the foundation of the world. Because you're the children of God. Because you've been set free from the kingdom of self into the kingdom of life, righteousness, hope, and love. It's because of this that we go and obey. Because it's good for us. Because it's how we walk out our righteousness. And God says to our duties... And the Christian life flow from who we are in Christ. Our duty comes from our identity. And we have to be careful not to mix that up. Again, it's because God has adopted us and placed his affection on us. His fatherly love and protection and his care in Christ Jesus is for us. As those who have died to the law of sin and death, 
as those who have been redeemed from the curse of the law because Christ Jesus became a curse for us, as those who have the yoke of Christ, as those who have rest in Christ, as those who walk by faith and not according to the flesh, as those called to freedom, not bondage to self, he continues. So as that, as God's chosen holy ones, put on then, verse 12 starts with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Let's talk about those for a second. Just briefly, compassion is like to be able to just sympathize with the miserable. To be able to look at your brother and be like, man, this sucks. This is terrible. To be able to hug them, to hurt with them. Kindness. It's almost, this was a good, good phrase for me. It's when your neighbor's good is as good as your own. It's like, man, heck yeah. Like, I, I'm happy with you, no matter what circumstance we're in, right? To be able to sympathize, to get compassion, to sympathize with the miserable, to be able to celebrate with each other when things are good. And then he talks about patience, meekness. I'm sorry, humility, meekness, and patience. And this humility is obviously like this lowliness of mind, being able to kind of submit to those who are above you and kind of condescend to those who are below you, if you will, to kind of come down to the weaker brother. But I was kind of reading through some stuff about these words, just seeing like maybe something is helpful to study these words and look at it. And I thought this was unique, that humility wasn't really considered a virtue in the, in the ancient Greek or in, to the ancient Greeks. It was really like the parent of meekness and long-suffering. As let me sum this up. When we think about meekness, humility is what kind of, what was birthed from humility is how, that, how we're going to act towards other people. So I'm not going to dominate somebody, manipulate somebody, control somebody just because I can, right? Just because I have whatever, maybe it's just a, a, a platform at work or, or maybe it's just like, you know, I just got it going on and they don't, whatever, however you want to describe it. Meekness is like, yeah, I could manipulate the situation, but I'm not. That comes from humility, right? And this long suffering is how we're going to react towards others, especially when they're struggling in ways that you don't struggle especially when they're provoking you or provoking me, right? So he's like, put on them as we are God's children, compassion to be able to sympathize with the miserable, to be able to celebrate when things are good. I mean, not to control people just because we can. And to have patience with people who are sinning in ways that we don't understand, ways that we don't sin, even when they're provoking us, to have patience with them. And before we move on to the next section, you know, we just talked about last week what to put off. And it's funny how all these virtues that he's talking about now deals primarily with how we, how we uh, act towards each other, how we deal with each other in the church and how we're dealing with each other as we're struggling towards obedience and these bodies of death in this fallen world. There's so much corruption in this world. All of our hearts are still full of it. While we go through this life, it's no shock that we offend each other. While we go through this life, it's no shock that we do things to each other that we shouldn't. We say things that we shouldn't say to each other. We're acting ways and thinking ways towards each other that we shouldn't. And a lot of the times, it's not necessarily on purpose. It's not something we want to do. 
And then sometimes it's on purpose. And so then he moves on to bear with one another. Um, in verse, sorry, yeah, in verse 13, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint, forgiving each other. This bearing with one another is to just kind of sustain each other, to hold each other up. Primarily when, when someone is provoking us or someone is struggling in ways we don't struggle. It's to come beside each other in Christ. We're going to hold each other up. Yes, I know you're struggling, but I'm going to play the long game here. I know that I don't struggle the ways you struggle. You don't struggle the way I struggle, but we're going to lock arms because of Christ. And we're going to be patient with one another. We're going to be long-suffering. We're going to bear with one another, hold one another up, sustain each other, correct each other, exhort each other, but be a place of safety. And then forgiving one another. Man, when we remember the gospel and how much God has forgiven us in Christ, it kills our self-righteousness. It kills the, the righteousness that we think we have that keeps us from forgiving others or holding things against other people. You know, think about it. Someone's wronged us and we're angry. Primarily, I think about my, my wife. You can think about your spouse. You can think about a coworker. Think about each other in the body of Christ. You know, we're angry. They've wronged us, and they offer an apology, but I don't want to give forgiveness right away. I want them to realize what they've done. I want them to suffer for it a little bit, you know? I want them to kind of earn their forgiveness. They need to realize, you know, that you have really hurt me, and you need to pay for it, right? Romans, and it's, and it's crazy because while, I mean, excuse me, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for his enemies. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We've done and we, we have nothing that God needs. There are no qualities in us that impress him. He's our creator. There's nothing that we have that impresses him that says, man, I'm going to save this, these group of people. They got it going on. No, but he decided from a per eternity past because of who he is that I'm going to love these people in spite of them, despite of them. I'm going to die for their sins. Philippians says that Jesus emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in him, sorry, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has for us, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with him and seated him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but it is a gift from God. We didn't even create our own repentance. It was actually a gift from God. It was his graciousness and his kindness that we were convicted to see our sin and to cling to Christ. That we were given faith to trust Christ. None of that was our own doing. None of that did we deserve. But God decided to love us because he loves us. And he says, forgive each other. Yeah, I know. You know, my problem is that I hate your sin more than I hate my own. Half the time I hate the ways that you're struggling more than I hate the ways that I'm struggling. So I don't want to bear with you, you know, if we're, if we're going to be honest. But that's not it. I mean, think about 
the great chasm between us and God. There was no reason for God to do it, but he decides to do it because he loves you and I. And he's forgiven us and forgotten all of our sin. And he says, man, bear with one another. Forgive one another. And let's move on to uh, these next verses in verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What does love look like? It looks like the God of the universe dying for his enemies because he loves them for some reason. And he's like, because I've set you free, because your righteous standing in Christ is never changing, man, bear with one another. Forgive one another and put on love. He's saying like we're putting on compassion, we're putting on uh, kindness, and we're bearing with one another, we're forgiving with other. And, and overall, it's putting on love, right? Because we, in Christ Jesus, have been freed from the kingdom of self, and now we're in the kingdom of light, where we're safe. Boy, we're safe. Ain't nothing changing about God loving us and we being his children. And so he's like, because of this, man, put on love. We're all struggling. We're all struggling towards obedience. We hate that we still sin. So let's bear with one another. As we consider ourselves dead and we live for each other. Right? We live for each other. That we want to count each other's concerns more important than our own. We want to sacrifice our time to, to be miserable when our brothers and sisters are miserable. And no matter what situation we're in, Kind of be joyful and be glad when things are going well for our brothers and sisters. And all the things we've just talked about. And then verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Peace with Christ is the gift. And peace with each other is our duty. Like I said, nothing is changing about what Jesus has done for us. Nothing is changing. The fundamental problem of all the universe, the fall of man, sin, it has been dealt with. It has been finished. The fact that you are a sinner and you need a righteousness that you can't provide, that has been provided for you. Look to Christ. It's like this peace, let it rule us. Let it guide us. Let it be our umpire to know that it's almost like pick your battles. You're safe in Christ, so don't die on every single hill when we're trying together to be obedient, to love each other. It's like, why are, let's, let's not bicker. Let's all the more encourage each other and exhort each other and bear with one another and be a safe place because Christ, the peace of Christ, rules us, rules our hearts, rules the body of Christ. And even thinking about this, I was thinking about... Uh, like the peace of Christ. And I know Justin shared this one time a while back from Horatius Bonart when this guy was, uh, was trying to find peace with God. And it says, I knew an awakened soul who in the bitterness of his spirit thus set himself to work and pray in order to get peace. He doubled down the amount, the amount of devotion, saying to himself, surely God will give me peace. But the peace did not come. He set up family worship saying, surely God will give me peace. But the peace came not. At last, he thought, 
I'll have a prayer meeting in my house as a certain remedy. And he fixed the night. He called his neighbors. He prepared himself for conducting the meeting by writing a prayer and learning it by heart. He finished the operation of learning it for the preparatory meeting. He threw it down on the, on the table saying, surely this will do. God will give me peace now. And in that moment, a still small voice seemed to speak in his ear saying, no, that will not do, but Christ will do. Straight away, the scales fell from his eyes and the burden from his shoulders. Peace poured in like a river. Christ will do was his watchword for life. This is our watchword as the body of Christ that rules our hearts. Christ will do. Nothing else for us to do to earn anything from God. Actually, like we've said, all of it is ours in Christ Jesus. Let's let this peace rule our hearts. As we show up to church, sit under his word and sing his word and fellowship with each other. And I like this piece right after uh, verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Just kind of throws it in there and be thankful. My goodness, right? It's kind of how I read it. Not sure if he meant it that way, but it's just kind of funny, right? It's like, man, think about the peace of Christ. Think about how safe you are. Man, just be thankful. Don't die on every hill. Yeah, your brother's, you know, provoking you in ways you don't see why he's doing it. You don't struggle in that way. I don't know why he can't get his act together, but it's like, man, bear him up. Sustain him because he's struggling right now. But later on, it'll be you and you're going to need him. We're going to need each other, right? So it's, it's like, man, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Let's be thankful. In verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Just remember our union with Christ and how he dwells within us and we in him. All the things we've talked about and we gather together as the body of Christ, we gather together to receive Christ, to commune with him, to fellowship with each other. We show up because God has told us that he will bless these ordinary means to grow us, to encourage our faith. So we show up together to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly as we what? As we admonish one another, as we teach one another in all wisdom, as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And God is growing us in the knowledge and the revelation of his son. How do we let the, the word of Christ dwell in us? I'd say primarily is pri prioritize this gathering. Prioritize this gathering. Prioritize time with each other. And of course, spiritual disciplines are helpful. Of course, read your word, pray together, have family worship. The point of the story is not that any of those things are bad. The point of the story is that none of those things are going to give you what only Christ can provide. So because Christ has provided everything you'll ever need, enjoy prioritizing this. Enjoy those times that you spend and that you have time to read your word at home. Enjoy the family time at worship. It might be once a week, a couple times a month. And enjoy those times because peace with Christ comes from him alone, not anything we do, right? It's our duties are driven by who we are in Christ. And so there's a little spiel about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly as we teach one another, sing to one another, encourage one another. And then 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
as children of God, as people called by his name, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, united to a living Savior, do things in his name. As we remember our peace with him, it's like put on compassion, put on this kindness, forgive one another, bear up with one another. And as he says later on, is to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. It's meant all we do, we do as people called by his name, knowing that our, our identity isn't changing. Right? So anything, everything that you do, whatever you do, as he even he, he moves on to talk about, you know, the households um, and, and places you work, where you do life, where you play at. It's like, as you do those things, man, do those things as one called by God, as one who has the name of Christ Jesus, as one who has the peace of Christ ruling in your heart. Do it in his name. Submit to your, uh, wives, submit to your husbands, as he says in, in 18. And husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents. Parents, don't provoke your children. This kind of thing. And he moves in to just, man, serve, serve your, your boss well. Work hard in the name of the Lord. Be a hard worker. It's like, yeah, this stuff's mundane. We live in a fallen world. It stinks a lot of times in our, in, you know, in our secular jobs. But it's like, man, just work hard. Remember that you are safe in Christ, that we're one body in Christ. We have each other. We're doing things in his name. And so um, that's kind of what we got as we look at, at the text. And so just moving on to a, a little, I guess, devotional part of, of our time together. It's just like, let's just talk about it. And I have some encouragements for us. And number one is that sin will destroy us and those around us, either in this life or the next. There's a reason that what we talked about last week to uh, consider yourself dead to the sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, and to, to put away the anger and the wrath and the malice and the slander and the abusive talk. Because who do those, what do those things harm? They don't just harm you. They affect not only you, but the people you're closest to. They affect the people around you. They affect us. Our sin affects each other. And so it's like, man, consider yourself dead to those things. Because it's going to eventually lead us to death and a lot of terrible things. If we allow this to just stay in our life, we don't try to like, you know, take regards when we're having these sexual lusts or when we're just absolutely having all these wicked thoughts and we're not confessing our sins one to another. You know, if we let these things hang around, they're going to destroy us. And so in God's goodness, not only are we free from those things, but he tells us as a good father, run, run from those things. Run to the body of Christ. Confess your sins. Bear each other up. Hold each other accountable. Hold each other from sin. I mean, all these good things, it's like run to the body of Christ. So it's good that we see, man, we should consider ourselves dead to those things, and we're putting on compassion. We're putting on, and, and all of those things have to do with who? Each other. Who, who, what is our compassion and our kindness and our forgiving one another and our um, bearing with one another? It doesn't just affect us. It affects each other, right? So we're putting on or in our union with Christ, as we move to the kingdom of light and out of the kingdom of darkness, it's like we die to self, like we talked about. And, man, we're about each other. We're about each other. 
So that was number one, that sin will destroy us and those around us. Number two, um, the difference between a nice person in the world and us is faith. You know, you say, well, if I'm just going to go out into the world and just be a nice person, what is the difference between what I'm doing and just what a nice person is out there doing? And it's faith. Your good works, your efforts out here are not wasted because they're covered in Christ Jesus. They're covered in the blood of Christ and they're motivated by your safety in Christ, right? Of course, all of our efforts and all of our good works are tainted with our our, our evil desires. They're tainted with our bad motives. But because of faith, they matter. They are of eternal good. And I was just talking to Ron this morning because I'm you know, moving from one job and going to the next and you feel like, man, I've invested so much time in here and now I'm just kind of leaving and it, it kind of hurts. And he encouraged me, you know, but that time's not wasted. That time's not wasted. The, 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 the things that we're doing out here in the world, and especially with each other, it is not wasted for you to go out and pursue good, to be kind with one another, to bear one another up. This stuff is not wasted. It's also not of sight. It's of faith. It's of faith. We're living a life of faith. We don't always, like we talked about, we don't always get to see the results of the things that we pursue. We don't get to see this glorified life that's hidden with Christ. One day we will, when he arrives, and behold, we will appear with him and be like him. We'll see it then when our faith turns to sight. For now, just know that faith makes the difference in this Christian life. That We're trusting Christ and that what we're doing is not wasted. So, yeah. Um, I had here some, some verses from Romans and Romans 6 and 7 and 10. You should go back and read them, Romans 6, 7 and 10. And a lot of it is about how we've become obedient from the heart. This stuff is not wasted. When you're actually pursuing good, yeah, it's, it's tainted by all kinds of sin, like we said. But, man, it matters because we're covered in the righteousness of Christ. So, so keep pursuing good with each other and at home and in your workplaces. And so as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, number three, man, let's be about each other. Let's be about each other. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. But through love, serve one another. And in our union with Christ, we've died to self and we're about each other. We're about each other. So let us all the more live for the honor of each other. Let us all the more sacrifice our time in order to bear with our brothers and sisters in the good times and in the very bad times when they're sinning against us or sinning against someone else or vice versa. Man, let us all the more, Covenant Baptist Church, celebrate the good times together. Let us all the more serve our spouses and our family and our friends and our neighbors and consider their needs greater than our own. Let us all the more do that. To the people who make up this local church, let us all the more be a place of safety and protection for each other when we sin and when we're struggling. Let us all the more be patient with one another, exhorting one another, forgiving one another, bearing one another up, teaching and admonishing each other as we let the peace of Christ rule our hearts and as we let the word of Christ, the gospel, dwell in us richly. And finally, number four, we are one body in Christ. Who is our all? 
So why would we do these things as a reminder? Why would we do these things that Paul is, is exhorting us to? From Romans 8, because who can bring a, a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That is is written. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor, no, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that nothing is going to separate us from your love for us in Christ Jesus. That we are dead to self and alive in Christ to serve one another. Christ Jesus is our only hope, is our only peace. As we have received him and his merits, as we've been given a righteousness that's not our own. God, we praise you, and we pray that we would all the more serve each other because it's good and because we need each other. Thank you that you've saved us from the kingdom of self and put us into one body in Christ where we cling to him, and you are growing us with a growth that comes from you as you grow us in the knowledge and revelation of your son, Jesus. Father, help us to cling to Christ. Help us to run from sin and help us to to bear one another up and forgive one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.